You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to 3AM, where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan Elmer. What's the scariest thing that you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3AM is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, and personal experiences, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. Oh my goodness. Oh my bad. You can't have any more. Oh my bad. I do it good. I, I'll show. I give the good. I give that good suck. If this thing touches your mouth, shout that was shout Charlie. Out, shout out to Sean for bringing sorry, the water Don. today. This episode is brought to you by Sean Secret Stuff. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Do you guys hear that? It sounds like. <laughs> My name's Charlie. Bad David DJ. This is Sean. Hey, it's Jordan. Oh! <laughs> Yay! Jordan, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. I feel Jordan. very welcome. Jordan. <laughs> Jordan. Jordan. Jordan, okay, welcome back. <laughs> didn't do it on purpose that time. Okay, shush. <laughs> me, shush. Jordan, w- welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> Dude, Jordan, welcome back. How are you, man? Welcome back to you guys as well. No, we've been here. Um, <laughs> we've been here for the past 12 takes. Uh, enjoy your mover. Yeah, you, you too, sir. Uh, so Jordan went, went on a personal pursuit to try to hire his education and become a master certified, but uh, I think he's quitting that and just coming back to the podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stuff all that communist regime well be careful Whoa. Oh, bro. Oh, I can, I i'm can sorry get, i can get napped we might have to cut that <laughs> no, but for real jordan's going to get his master's uh, allegedly in china and uh before he leaves to china he's uh gracing us yo allegedly so how you doing man i'm good i'm excited to be here uh, how was home? How was Billings, Montana? That's where you guys are from, right? Or that's where your family's Laurel, living. What's your address? It is um, exact address. Um, I don't know. Um, they, yeah, they live in Laurel, which is just outside of Billings. So it's just like living in the Wild West. Laurel's probably one of the surrealest places I've ever been in my life. It feels like you are. You're like you're like in America. You know it, what I mean? It feels like you're in a 50s depiction of America. Mm-hmm. We went there for 4th of July once, and there's just happy white families everywhere, picket fences. People are like riding in the back of pickup trucks, like, wearing Chuck Taylors. I feel like I'm watching like Dazed and Confused when I'm driving through Laurel. It's so weird. But I was walking through, everybody's giving me weird looks. <laughs> classic like, 60s. They're like, Why? he's brown, but not like black. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of black are you? <laughs> what in tarnish? <laughs> they see me and they're like, one of the railroad workers got out. <laughs> <laughs> JK, I'm Japanese. 
Okay. But yeah, it's weird. I've like never lived in Montana that long, and I've never been in like a small town that long either, or this long. It's like two, two months. We're super excited to have Jordan back. We missed him a lot. There's been a gaping hole that only he can fill. Massive. <laughs> and so it's good to have it filled. Really deep gaping hole. Just good they to have him the, in it, you know? The filler. Oh! Oh! Do you feel it? <laughs> it's question time from the ASMR jar. We're bringing it back for this episode only, but we don't know. Could come back next episode. Okay, so th- <laughs> we don't know for sure. Question of the day. <laughs> so question of the day from the question jar. What childhood cartoon were you afraid of? That's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Next question, please. I got one. Courage the Cowardly Dog. Ooh. Oh. Not the cartoon. There's one episode oh, with the mummy, it? and they stole the slab Return from the mummy. Return the slab. Yeah. Return the slab. That Bro, that one was terrifying. Crept me out. That one and him from Powerpuff Girls. Like, is he the devil? Yeah, with the lobster hands, bro. Rock lobster. Powerpuff <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. Girls. <laughs> Dude, that was spot on. I, I low-key love the Powerpuff Girls. They were dope, dude. Out, dude. We talked about that on a previous episode about the Rowdy Rough Boys. Yeah, and how they took the innocence of the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, oh. snips and snails and puppy dog tails. Wow, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I like that. That's all I got. Sean didn't have a TV growing up. <laughs> Sometimes we would get a cardboard box and cut a little like square in it and do finger puppets so that it looked like we were watching TV. <sighs> Sounds like a crap life, bro. I don't think you're joking about that. I'm not. I, <laughs> I felt it. For real, though? Oh, we did. Dude, hell yeah, they did. Yeah, we did that. Hell yeah, they did. But we also had a TV, so, <laughs> so no excuses. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think of a cartoon that scared me, but I know Bruh, like the Brave Little sure. Toaster. That shit was scary. That's true. Brave I don't Little think Toaster. I ever saw a when Little the Toaster. AC freaks out yeah. and then kills itself, or like when the vacuum fool gets sucked into the quicksand. I have mm. seen a Brave Little Toaster. Or, I have wait, no, that. it wasn't a vacuum. It was the Blanky. Blanky got sucked into the vacuum. Was it? Sure. So another <laughs> one that got me, Large Marge. Oh, oh yeah, from Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. <laughs> That was my first sleepover, and I called my parents to pick me up. <laughs> I'm, I'm so serious. Dude, that scene legit, though, is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And he used to come on late at night at Disney. Yeah. And I saw it once. Scarring. Dude, that should be rated R. <laughs> For that scene. <laughs> that scene only. You know what was kind of creepy? The Secret in Nim. Did you ever see that? It's intense. Yeah, it's like too intense for it. kids. Dude, that's the one like about all the mice Genocide? and... Oh, dude, yeah, it was wild. It like opens with a field of animals getting murdered by a col- combine. Not Columbine. Gosh, damn. <laughs> a combine. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> a combine. Uh, but then, yeah, it goes like deeper into like government experiments yeah. and stuff. The, one, the part where she has to go and talk to the owl. Terrifying. Dude, that was scary. Yeah. The owl did it. The owl did it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, good question. There's like 19 things that scarred us as children. Jumanji, would, Jumanji would wreck me. Jumanji, Secret of the Nim, My Uncle, Any other things. Romantic I comedy. Thought the mask was kind of scary when I was yo, a kid. Yo, yo, that's a, yeah. 
It's kind of creepy. I'm yeah. yeah. I, I hear that. That's a good one. It's just super unsettling. Yeah, just, he looked the way he looks with, and right when he put the mask on, he'd be very like intense. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3am. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. My story. <laughs> so uh, Jordan does another. So I'm going to recap. Okay. Uh, I work at a super exciting industry, um, insurance. So <laughs> I'm sitting like, there. Do you have a job I don't know about? <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and we have this guy who's a, a rep for this like product in insurance, right? And so he's kind of like a, a big deal that he's there. So the whole day, everyone has to like cater to him and talk to him, right? super boring conversations all day. I'm in the room for probably 12 hours that day, just listening to all these conversations about insurance. And then he, t- he starts talking and I'm sitting there just coding. Cause I, I, I code for this company. I catch a couple words he says, and I stop coding and I like look over at him and, and like everyone in the room is half comatose, like not paying attention. And so I like snap my attention onto him and he like, he like is even bored with what he's saying and he sees me paying attention to him. So he like zones in on me. Right. And he's like, yeah, I travel all over the country um, because of my job and like representing this insurance product. And he's like, and one of my employees in Texas wrote a book and she made like six million off of it or something. He named it a big figure and he's like, and it's all about these disappearances in Texas. I was like, what? I like got way excited and I was like, tell me more. And he starts getting excited because someone finally cares about what he's talking about. He's been talking for like eight hours straight. <laughs> yeah. No one has just sitting there anything. Like, he has the dopest PowerPoint. <laughs> Everyone's half asleep his, the entire time. And then he's I'm, like, we're canceling our account with this company <laughs> immediately. 
So he starts telling me, and I'm going to do my best to like give you the facts because he wasn't like ready to talk about it. So he's just like giving me little tidbits and I kept pushing and pushing him. So he goes, yeah, one of my employees wrote a book all about this place in Texas called the killing fields. Um, when are we going? Damn. (laughs) So what happened was he had to travel all around Texas and this guy is, um, Cuban. So he's not, he has an accent. You can tell he's not like white American. But you can't really trust him. <laughs> <laughs> JK, shout out them Cubanas. So he like, he has to travel all around Texas and he told his company that he had, he had recently moved there and he told him, oh, I need to drive out to this place. And one of the employees is like, uh, what way do you plan on going? He's like, oh, I'm just going to take the this to the 45 and I'll just cross over and then I'll hit Houston. And they were like, whatever you do, do not take the 45. And he's like, what? Why? And they're like, don't take it. Uh, and he's like, but it's the most direct route. It makes sense. And he's ex-military, so he was like, doesn't give a crap. And he's like, no, I'm taking this road. And they're like, seriously, don't take it. No one should take that road. So that's what sparked him asking questions about this place. Like beyond that, they said, also, I wouldn't go if I were you. I would send someone out there who has blue eyes and blonde hair. And he's like, what? And so he he starts asking all these people because like the first person who tells him, he's like, okay, that's one person. But then he starts asking everyone in the office and everyone is terrified of this interstate. And so that's when he realizes his employee wrote the book on it. And she wrote it under a pseudonym because she's terrified of what will happen to her. Whoa. So he's asking her questions and he said she f- visibly was uncomfortable and like looking around, not wanting to answer his questions. And so she wrote the book under a pseudonym and has the money sent to a different town that she lives in and she picks it up. Oh, what? That's wild. So it's like, she's too afraid to just put her name on this thing. Like that's how intense this place is. Yeah. Cause she does. She dug super deep, got really into it and something made her afraid to talk about it. So I'm going to tell you kind of what it is and what happened there. I'll do my best and then you can draw your own conclusions. So I got most of my information after Googling for a while. I got most of my information from an article by Brett Swancer. Brent. <laughs> yeah yeah i forgot that n <laughs> barrent swancer barrent the texas killing fields is the name given to this area of land and it's located about a mile off the interstate 45 bordering the calder oil field and league city between galveston texas and houston texas so it's this super remote uninhabited patch of land measuring about 40 kilometers or 25 miles long so it's like abandoned oil fields, marshes, just underbrush, super remote, dusty, long stretches of highway, just a weird place, right? Is it kind of like, I'm picturing, you know, like an abandoned mine or like some type of like town that was popping in like the 70s, but then because of like industry, it's like desolate now? I think it's definitely the feeling it has. Or, or it was just like straight like highway road with nothing around it. So it's 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 bits of each. So oh, okay. it's really long stretches of highway, but then there's these little towns along the way, but they're scarce. Like no one lives there because of the stigma that's around this place. 
And so the reason it got the nickname the Killing Fields is because murders and disappearances have been happening there since the 1970s. Damn. And in total, over 30 murders. That we know about. That we know about. Are yeah. they, is there any connection with the murders? Like, are they all like five, seven men with dark hair or, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you concerned? really concerned. <laughs> or, but you know what I mean? Like, or is it like women who just have blonde hair? You know, like no. weird things like that. So funnily you asked, there, there is a type. Um, it's female and it's usually young females classic is almost every single disappearance or murder you know what get get exciting with your murders like everyone already does that so step it up like mix it up a bit you know what i mean it's like we're tired of young women dying like start going for like rich white people (laughs) yeah Yeah, for real old rich white dudes thank you the purge right now (laughs) okay (laughs) so a little bit about it because of the location and the climate if even if they do find a body which is kind of rare there's like no chance of getting physical DNA from it because it's like decays quick. There's buzzards, there's vultures and things like that. And I imagine with it being so like out there, there's just places that you can just get away with that, you know, hide them and no one's going to ever go near that. No man's line. Uh, Or the killing fields, which is what is happening. (laughs) (laughs) That's literally what I'm reading. (laughs) Or (laughs) Okay. So we're going to go all the way back to 1970. Okay. So in June of 1971, this 13-year-old girl named Colette Wilson, she disappears after being dropped off at a bus stop. Oh, so this is like kids. Yes. I was thinking like early 20s, which I mean, either way, it's not good. But for some reason, when it's like teenagers, it's like heavier for me. So yeah, she's 13 years old. Some of these are children. She gets dropped off at the bus stop. She's on her way to band practice. Never seen again. At the time... They just called it a missing persons. And that's what, sadly, that's what happens with like most of these cases. There's no communication between the police or they're like, oh, they ran away, right? So her body is found five months after she ran away, air quotes, in the place that later becomes known as the killing fields, this tiny little area with a single gunshot wound to the back of the head. Damn. That's pretty, that's intense. A couple of weeks after her disappearance. So this is now July 1st, 1971. So a child by the name of Brenda Jones, age 14, she disappears on her way to visit a sick relative in the Galveston General Hospital, which is right off the Interstate 45. So her body would later be found floating in the Galveston Bay. She too was also killed by a single gunshot wound to the back of the head. So that year, that same year, four more girls would die. That's just one year. So that's six girls in this in this tiny area, disappearing, dying, running away. They're all found with gunshot wounds to the head, and their hands and feet are bound. It's all the same mo. So to me, it sounds like the same mo, but escalating, right? Mm. Because first it's just gunshot wound, second one gunshot wound. Now it's like gunshot wound, and they're bound. They're all disappearing. Oh, so the first couple weren't bound. It was like the last. Not that I saw. Yeah. Four more girls go missing that year, making six. And this would continue to happen until 11 teenage adolescent girls were dead and unceremoniously dumped in this spot, like the same spot. So at the time, the authorities, they all thought, you know, this has to be a serial killer working because it's so similar and they're all getting dumped in the same spot. So the MO was like, they were all kind of found near some sort of body of water. Most of them were found naked from the waist down. 
a lot of them their hands and feet had been bound in the gunshot wounds right was there other signs with it because like i kind of think like 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 sex trafficking or something when it's like 11 girls in the same way and the way that they're getting rid of them but like you'd assume that they'd be in it longer i guess but so that totally could be the case but like i said this is back in the 70s i guess yeah so police were not sharing information with each other and back then how they treated a crime scene is like let everyone come in yeah reporters come in put your cigarette out right on the body you know what i mean there's just no respect for they didn't understand dna and crime scene preservation the way we do now Mm -hmm. so easily could have been way more evidence but they have none so that's just 11 girls total in the 70s that's wild yeah 1980s three girls go missing and this is the weirdest part so three girls different times like months between each disappearance, they all go missing. And the one thing that's similar to each of them is they all visit the same convenience store right before they go missing. So all three of them have been... First, a 23-year-old, she disappears on October 10th, 1983 after using the payphone in front of the convenience store. Her body was discovered. This is terrible. Her body was discovered because a dog dug up her body and then would later drop her severed skull at the foot of a toddler so the dog brought the toddler a severed head cool yep later 16 year old laura miller vanished on september 10th 1984 also in front of the same convenience store after making a phone call home and it's the same freaking one that she used and there's a third victim all of these victims were shot strangled or brutally beaten to death so once again, it's like escalating. They seem older too than the first batch, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So this second girl, the 16-year-old girl, her name was Laura. And her disappearance like sent her father down this path where he was determined to figure out what happened to his daughter. And so he's super motivated by the lack of progress from the police. He keeps talking to him. There's no update. Nothing's being happening. Nothing can be found. So he goes on this tirade of trying to figure out who is who <laughs> how his daughter disappeared dj's falling mm-hmm. asleep <laughs> sorry no worries <laughs> i'm so sorry so what happens is he zones in on this guy mm-hmm. and he becomes convinced that this guy killed his daughter and so who this guy is is a man by the name of robert abel and robert abel is a former nasa scientist who owns a huge plot of land right near the killing fields. And so what happens is he becomes fixated on this guy and the t- it's a small town. And so naturally people start talking and everyone's just kind of gossiping. Right. And a lot of them are saying that Abel has a really dark past and he gets really violent. And a lot of people say he beats his horses with like lead pipes and stuff. So that's so horrible. It comes to the point where anytime he like comes out in a town, everyone just starts scaling, like screaming, Keller, Keller, where's the bodies, Keller? Yeah. That'd be ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you didn't do anything. You just happened to live next to this field. Dude, it's like Twitter in real life. <laughs> <laughs> no evidence against you, and they're just all canceling you. So, Abel, the conviction or the accusation is so serious that the FBI start profiling him. And they finally release their profile of him. They call him a serial sexual offender. And they say he has many additional traits that are often present in serial killers. So after doing like their investigation, they're like, this guy's 
not good. I saw the photo of him, and I am <laughs> convinced. So they get a they get a warrant, I assume, and they search his whole property, and they find nothing. In two thousand five, like he gets, I'm not trying to like give pity on him, but he gets pretty much abused by the community for years and years. This is from the eighties, and in two thousand five, he is like intoxicated, gets on a golf cart and drives it in front of a moving train and commits suicide. Did the murder stop? So that was in 2005. No, they didn't stop in 2005. So that, that happens in two five. We're going to go back to 1997. So the killings don't stop in the eighties. They don't stop in the nineties in 1997. Uh, this girl, Jessica, they find her pickup just abandoned on the side of the road and they can't find her. Another 12-year-old girl goes missing after she goes out and tries to take a jog. Um, Later, this girl named Crystal, she disappears after using the telephone in front of a convenience store. Her decomposing, mostly nude, decapitated body would be found 17 days later besides a pond near Friendswood, south of Houston. And that was found by a father and son like walking their dog. Oh, I thought the father and son. No. I was like, oh, that's like my biggest fear though. Whenever we're hiking or running and stuff like that or exploring is finding a body. Dude, that would be so terrifying to actually be out doing something in the woods and finding something. Um, It feels like the person who is doing this lives across the street from the freaking convenience store. Dude, or an employee. So let me just wrap it up. Uh, Like I said, over 30 murders and disappearances over these years, none of them have been solved. Only one conviction has been made, and it's super flimsy evidence. This guy who was in jail said, I'm the one who killed this girl, and there's no evidence. And there's actually evidence that like he probably didn't do it. And so that's like, the only convic- the conviction they have. It's like Sirius Black in like the third book where he's like, yeah, I, kill- I basically killed him. And it's like, bro, just say the truth, and we can avoid all this chaos. You know Spoilers. What I mean? like- <laughs> so it's not like this thing is in the past. It's still very present. People there are still super scared for their kids. Hmm. Um, Just to like give you other factors that play into this. They looked at a list that was surveying all the sexual offenders and there's an insane amount and even collection of them near the killing fields. There's over 2,100 sexual offenders like in that tiny area. So we have sexual predators. We have this convenience store. We have people being afraid to go there if you're not white. The police came out and made statements and said that they're afraid that it could be truck drivers. So basically at the end of the day with the lack of DNA evidence, it could be anyone. No one's been caught. The last killing was in 2006. So that's after homeboy killed himself. And yeah, like I said, there was only one solid conviction and I'll just leave you real quick with this quote from skip Hollinsworth. He was a um, reporter And so what he said on the situation is it's become the kind of ghost story for South Texas. For these parents, this mystery is not just a ghost story. It's a horrible reality. So like I said, there's like no closure on it. It's still hella scary. And places like this have always been the most terrifying to me of locations where like people are in on it or something's happening and no one's solving it. Like small towns and stuff like that. Yeah. So before we get into like any of your theories, one time me and one of my good friends went up to this campsite way up in the mountains and it's at the top of the mountain and we woke up early and told his dad, Hey, we're going to ride our bikes down 
just pick us up on the side of the road, you know? So we get on our bikes and I have the most fun I've ever had. We cruise down this mountain for like four or five hours. I pedaled probably twice. So we're just cruising through these beautiful mountains and we finally come to this small town in the foothills where it levels out and we want to stop biking because it's warm. So I'm like 14 and he's 13 and we park our bikes on this grass and we just sit on the side of the road and we watch all these cars pass. And it's this small foothill town, kind of creepy vibes, to be honest. Till an hour later, his dad comes and picks us up and takes us home. And the town we stopped at was Springville. Do you remember that town? It's like up in the foothills on the way to like Sycon. I can't think of it right now, but... Okay. It's a small like foot, foothills town. I was picturing Three Rivers when you were explaining it, but Three Rivers is kind of a cute little town. <laughs> it's kind of like that, though. Come to find out a little later, my sister her friend is a sheriff out there and he was in the middle of investigating a huge child sex sex oh wait, a child sex ring and they were it was happening like they were sacrificing children in Holy. that town of springville and so me and my 13 year old friend were just sitting on the side of the road and it's like the, it was happening in the community and no one was like talking about it and that type of stuff terrifies me it's like that true detective season one you know like, like that just like cult but it's like the community that's out protecting here just protecting it because everyone is in it, yeah, dude. which is kind of how it sounds with this story because... Yeah, what are your theories? There isn't a lot of connection. Well, there's the connection in the sense that they're all girls and they're all younger, which uh-huh. there's pedophilia, you know, you, like you said, all the sex offenders. And so, uh, like, initially I was like serial killer, but then it's there's not really consistency throughout in a sense of how they're being dispose you know how they're being murdered mm-hmm. or whatever and so it almost seems like there's might be a spotter who works at the store or somebody like that and when they see somebody who looks vulnerable they then either tell somebody that's interested or they like like a group like message. there's a network or you something. Know, something like, there might be some network where they're able to communicate and you know get or or it's just you know a bunch of truck drivers that just did you it, say but. that the police said like it was the truck drivers that was their like no, I think they were. So the police were exp- expressing their frustration with the situation. It's and just a theory. They were like, it could be anyone. And so they started naming. It could be these sex offenders. It could be this guy. It could be okay. truck drivers. I was going to say, because the truck driver seems like the least likely possibility to me for all of this to be so similar, except for random eight truck drivers just knowing what to do when they get there. Yeah. It sounds like an inside like thing to me. Yeah. And potentially, when you said they said the truck drivers, I was like, the police are the ones protecting them they're just saying it's truck drivers to kind of hide the truth oh i I think the police got to be in on it too because anytime you think of like allegedly police a huge like a a big story or something crazy like is happening the police usually are able to figure out what's happening like there there are some incompetent like departments out there but for the most part like they usually know how to do their job and so if it's gone this long and they can't do their job you know there's got to be there's gotta be something. There's gotta be something going. On. Dude, the creepiest part about it to me is the convenience store, man. Like, what are the freaking odds that the last thing I think four of these girls do is use this payphone outside this convenience store, and then that's when they go missing? Like, okay, that could be coincidence, but I don't know, dude. Maybe it was tapped. I, I'm kind of like Jordan. My initial thought was like someone who works at the convenience store, man, just makes a call or something i mean it could be i i feel like if that was the case it would be so much easier to like break down and solve you know the thing is the if you if you're thinking of your theory 
the people who should be finding who's in charge is, is in on it, or at least the people who are, you know, lower level, they're not being allowed to work on certain <laughs> cases because they'll, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. That I'm kind just of like thing. in my mind thinking of taken where he finds the spotter so fast. I'm like, <laughs> the spotter is toast. Like <laughs> he's always at the same place. How are you not able to find him? Well, Liam is not from Galveston. That's true. So. He's got a very specific set of skills and they believe in that daughter alone. <laughs> But dude, so even to this day, people are terrified of going there. They don't like talking about it. And through her investigation, the lady who wrote this book, she's uncomfortable with even talking about her theories. Like when he started asking her, she was like looking over her shoulder. That's why I think I feel like it's a connected situation yeah. because look at how how it's how it's like it's so blatantly out there like killing fields. This is what it's called. Everyone knows it in the area, but yet no one's been caught if it was some like someone that they didn't know like legitimately she probably wouldn't be as scared like i feel like she's scared because there are people out there that know and are who are doing it and she's very aware of that and doesn't want to bring that up because then she's a target yeah oh yeah dude honestly sometimes when i think about our future for this podcast i see us like two years down the road we're like trying to investigate this thing that's happening and we find ourselves like in this remote town oh, fuck. like dude. locked in a hotel and we see a car pull up and like turn its lights off and all of us are like dude <laughs> dude investigative journalism that'd be so sick so i have a friend who is from galveston what? which is right next to the killing fields yeah it's like in between galveston and houston mm-hmm she texted me when i asked her about asked her about the killing fields what what'd she say and she told me that she's never heard of it. So, oh. no thanks, Stephanie. <laughs> Gosh, damn it, Stephanie. But she's in on it. I did find uh. <laughs> I did find that um they just recovered a body in 2016. Whoa. Uh that they found in the killing fields and they identified the person somehow. Was it, was it somebody who went missing in the 90s or like they had gone missing? Somebody like, who went missing in the 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe but, it was just that dude because they stopped after he died. Yeah. This person, her name was Jessica Kane mm. and she was missing for 19 years. So, whoa, 97 is when she went missing. She's the one with the pickup truck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, how many people have they not found yet? I don't think about that question. When they find them, then we will know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Like, how many people do we know are missing, you know? Oh, right, like, they've right. gone missing and they haven't found There's, them. Yeah, we haven't found them so yet. many missing persons reports, <laughs> though. That, sorry, I'm being no, no. Yeah, yeah. I worded that weird. <laughs> um, like, when you go to Walmart and you see, like, the missing wall. Oh, yeah. Galveston, it's just, like, the whole wall. <laughs> I barely want to look at those. That sounds so bad. But... Me too, because it's just sad, bro. It's so heavy. Yeah. And I feel like almost like responsible, like I have to go and do something to help try and help find them. Uh, I don't know. Well, there is tools out there, especially on Reddit or like other type of groups where you can do web sleuthing. Mm -hmm. And so if anyone's interested in that, yeah, look it up. But I, I don't know how many total they said over 30 disappearances and murders in this area. And I could be getting that fact wrong, but I'll double check that and let you know. Over 30. Mm-hmm. So range anywhere from 30 to 
A million. 1,500. <laughs> I was literally, I was, I was about to say a million. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. wild. The reason why I was like attracted to story, this is not, this is kind of like a step <laughs> away from my normal. I love like scary instances or occurrences. I'd never have covered anything like real or ongoing, but just meeting that guy who was so close to it, especially back in the eighties is when he was there was super interesting to me. And this is like a real life scary story that still is going on. We, and when I say we, Sean and I uh, recently learned about the notorious vampire clan. Ooh. Y'all know about VC? <laughs> so the vampire clan was formed by a man named Marcus. Marcus, Marcus Wesson. This started in the 60s, 70s, went all the way till the 90s. It went on for a long time, and it's because it plays out throughout his entire life. It started when he was a child and his dad was an abuser, would abuse him and his friends sexually. This man was just sick. I was visually upset listening to the story. Um, This Marcus Wesson dude was way sick. He ended up going into the military finishes after two years by that time he's like 21 marries a girl takes care of her and he ends up marrying her because he gets her pregnant is that it he was dating this single mom and dated her till she's like 39 40 and then gets her daughter pregnant and ends up asking the mom for the daughter or for her permission to marry the daughter when the daughter becomes of age at no, they got married. They got married at 15. So oh of age, gosh. it was based off of the mother's approval at that point. Mm-hmm. And he did that like two times after that too. These details are really like rough sketches because um, I only went through it once um, and didn't really go back. But his whole goal was to start like a polygamous community. He wanted multiple wives. And where was this at? This was in Fresno. Fresno and Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> Fresno, boom, dog. That Grizzly City stand up. Your hometown hero. Dude, actually, now that you say that, I think I remember hearing about this. Mm-hmm. But continue. They deemed themselves a vampire clan because he taught them. Of course, they went into isolation and he taught them about how society is trying to get to them and break apart their family. Okay, so he finally amasses like a following or a group? It's just like his wife and then the daughters. And he marries the daughters and has more children and marries them and all these different things. So they move into this, this place in for a little bit in Santa Cruz. It's kind of like, like in the uh, mountains, the but they have their own space and they don't talk with anybody in the quote unquote outside world. But he tells them about, about how everyone out there is trying to get them okay. and break apart their family. He basically instills into their mind that he's God and Jesus sent him. And Jesus was the original vampire because when he died, he shed his blood and he made them, you know, through the sacrament take. Yeah. The wine represents the blood and that's how they call They were called the vampire clan after years and years of sexual abuse with all of his wives and his daughters and his sons, they end up making a suicide pact. That if the outside world were to get in touch with them, they would all kill themselves. 
and he taught them how to like hold the gun, who to shoot, where to shoot. So in the nineties, when they finally caught up with him, two women escaped from him for a couple of years, but they left children behind. There was no way for them to escape without it. And I know that kind of sounds terrible at first. Cause it's like, why would you leave your child there with him? But if the only way to help is to get out and bring help back. Yeah. Yeah. That was their mindset. So they came back, they worked with family and friends and also the police. And a lot of times too, when people escape from those societies, it's hard to convince the children of the truth because they've been so indoctrinated. To they like, grew they were, up in it. Yeah. Yeah. So they they're like, born no, in no, it. we can't leave this. We can't, you know, so it, they might not have trusted, them, trusted them, their parents or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Um, they end up pulling up at his house with the police and whatnot. And it all went down. They tried to rush into the house and get them, but it was too late. By the time they walked in there, I think it was like 13 or 15 bodies piled up on top of each other with gunshot wounds all in their right eye. Yeah. And among them was the two, the two women who did escaped came back, tried to rescue the children. Their children were in that pile. Oh, hmm. so he got caught obviously like he didn't kill himself. Well, yeah. <gasps> of course, you know, mm-hmm. what a dirt bag dog. Yeah. And, uh, he's still alive today and is in prison. He got the death penalty, but then I think California state law outruled the death penalty. So his sentence switched to lifetime, a few lifetime sentences uh, without parole. It's just crazy. Like that he took them out into isolation and then it's just a cult. It's like Gilly's father, the family in Game of Thrones is outside the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, though. I think it's straight up. And being being a hundred percent honest, sociopaths and psychopaths are probably the scariest thing in the world to me. When I'm talking to someone and you can tell that their view of reality is not right. And maybe that's like it's deviant it's like deviantly altered. They just like don't see the truth and they refuse or like they start like telling you an alternate view. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how to explain it. I've been around a couple in my life and actually I am related to someone who's related to someone who's related to someone who was like diagnosed with it. Like, um, where he legitimately believes he is never wrong. And like this world is here for him and we're all in his world. And those type of people are terrifying. So like this vampire clan guy, Mm -hmm. there was one particular story that infuriated me. One of the women expressed to him, I think it was one of his wives, they were saying, you know, I don't think what, she finally like worked the courage up to say that she didn't think whatever he was doing was right. (laughs) I know something in her mind was telling her that none of this was right. (laughs) Um, And she said she wanted to get out for a little bit, you know, into that world and see for herself. They're talking about this in the car. It's just them two. And he ends up getting a knife and stabbing her right in the chest. And the shock just hits her. She's like, what's going on? And uh, immediately he starts crying and apologizing. He's like, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I'll help you, but you have to promise not to tell anybody that I did this to you. And she says, okay, yes, I promise. Like, just get me out and like, save me. (laughs) And she ends up living. But when they go back to their camp or whatever, he makes all the women turn on her. He's like, she did this to herself and she was trying to escape. So 
her whole support system turned on her and she had she thought she had it bad but then she went back and got it worse he sounds like a master manipulator Mm -hmm. yeah that that's exactly what he was that's a pattern of abuse that captives or like abusers use is they'll put they're the ones who put you in the most distress and then they're the ones that bring you out of it so i like i'll i would beat dj half to death and then i would be the one to like buy him his favorite meal and be like you deserve better. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm the one saving you from the own hell that I'm putting you through. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Like that's so that. surreal. Like if it's gross, just to like, see that watch that unfold. Somebody who just stabbed me and started crying and apologizing and say, please don't tell anybody. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's also like really scary is that type of manipulation. I think is very, very common in relationships and just, in just everyday life but like to a lower extent you know what i mean like like little subtle subtle (laughs) stuff where like the man is like overbearingly like abusive to his wife but it's so subtle that it's really hard to catch up on but then it's like thinking back you're just like wait a second you're the one who always keeps putting this on me or you know or like to the kids and like like things like that aggressions that are really small yeah like micro but it's like any like Dude, one of, one of my least favorite things when I used to be a server in a restaurant is I'd come up to a table and I'd greet them and it's like a couple. So it's a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. How are you guys doing today? Oh. What can I get you to drink? And he'll he and the dude will be like, I'll take a water and she'll have a Diet Coke. I would always be when I when they do that to me, I'd just be like, and what would you like, man? Dude, me too. I would look her in the eyes and be like, oh, wait, hold on. My, my bad, bro. Like she can speak. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I understand like, some people like maybe they're uncomfortable and they don't want to order for themselves, but it never felt like that. It always felt like just like I'm the dude here and I'm going to take care of this. It's like, dude, it's a weird mentality. Maybe it's all also like she orders that all the time. Yeah. But the way he like puts it across is like, I am, I'm speaking the for controller. Her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those gross. kind of tables, I would be very blatant and like never really having conversation with them and just like focus on like the girl or whatever. I, or I would like look I at her and be like, is that what you want? I would just be like, is that what you want? And she'd be like, yeah. I'm like, okay, perfect. I'll get that for you. And he's like, yeah, that's want. what she wants. And I'm, I'd just <laughs> like, crane my neck yeah, around. That's what I said. Oh, you said diet. <laughs> and if he got the diet Coke, I would have given him regular Coke. Dude, allegedly, I might have put half regular Coke and half diet Coke in all my Cokes that I gave to people. <laughs> <laughs> I did that often because that's how I like it. So allegedly. <laughs> I don't know. No, actually, no, I never did that. Food tampering. You can go to jail for like 10 years. Yeah, you never did that. I never saw you did th- do that once. You know what? I don't even know what that is. Wait, um, <laughs> we never. What? No, actually, they only had Pepsi. So what is there was soda? no diet. Cokes we had no Coke products. Yeah. <laughs> when you started that, I legit thought it was going to be a group of high school nerds who were like Naruto run- runners. <laughs> like I was those vampire clan. Those also exist. Those yeah. are the real vampires. Those are the scariest. Those Shout are out, the dude. scariest. That's the lamest, dude. What a lame guy basically r kelly you suck now. i know he's terrible i was uh, sean like the serial killer he is was just silent the whole time <laughs> zero reaction and i'm just raging in the passenger seat listening to the story i'm like bro this dude is the worst i told sean that i wish there was like some way you know how like there are places where you can pay for objects to destroy yeah it's like you buy a microwave for five dollars it's like a, some hit it with a bat mi- yeah <laughs> hit it with a bat like choose your weapon you can choose like an axe or an ak-47 i wish there was that but for these sick people dude where like it's like a dollar a punch dude that sounds like something underground we need to start 
we could work with people who work in the prisons. I oh, know gosh. some people who run prisons down in Arizona. I will get on that. There was in, I believe is 2010. Cause I think it was my senior year of high school. It was a few months before I was about to graduate. There was a man who was babysitting for a family. And this is all really vague because I haven't looked this up for since high school, you know, but I believe his name was Matthew Higa. He's babysitting, I believe, for a friend. And it was just one baby, just under two years old. And hours before he goes into babysit, he smokes crystal meth. And he's been doing this for a while. This story is famous in Hawaii because he grabs the baby while he's babysitting. Mom is gone. And he goes to the overpass of the freeway Mm. and throws the baby down to the freeway baby dies my uncle works in OCCC in Hawaii which is the correctional facility and frequently is in contact with this dude so I will try to reach out to my uncle and see what stories he has (laughs) with I don't know what he does with this dude (laughs) I thought you were going to say he ate it because with the crystal meth, I just thought we were going there. Mm. I mean, both are bad, but. <laughs> Bro, and Polly's don't mess around with that, too. If there's, like, one place I could see um, backyard justice being served, it's like a Polynesian prison. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, that's rough. That's really dark. Yeah, that's heavy, dude. I, I know what you're saying. A part of me is like, yo, we should take the higher ground. Because like, that brings you down to their level. But this dude is just a dirtbag the vampire clan guy it sucks that's so annoying i would like to just formally say that i was also very angry inside <laughs> i just wasn't showing that sean's like i was not pleased by this story <laughs> this guy seemed kind of like a little bit of a dickhead just so everyone knows hmm. <laughs> what's really funny is i've been looking up this story because there are a couple of coworkers that love Disney. I hate happiness and fun. And <laughs> there's something about adults who are obsessed with Disney. No disrespect for anyone out there, because I know we got listeners that are probably about it. But like disrespect. But like. <laughs> I'm, no disrespect to them. I just disrespect the fun and happiness. But like, there's something wrong if you were too much into it. <laughs> um, and this is the story of also a missing person so disney does their disney cruises and all of that jazz if you can imagine i'm going to just kind of tell the story of the last last thing we know so she was a worker on one of these disney cruises and the date is 21st of march 2011 the last known thing we know about her is she was on her way to her shift and is seen on the CCTV camera on board this ship. She goes over to the phone and she sounds or she looks on the CCTV camera like she's under duress. She's like talking on this phone and it looks like there's something very upsetting to her. And that's the last anyone saw. She did not show up for her shift and the, uh, Conspiracy theory around it is that Disney's covering it up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is kind of where I was getting at with the 
ruining people's happiness. Sorry if anyone likes Disney. But this is still an open case. I've been looking up information on it, and this is years later. They don't know what happened to her. But the thing is, on these cruises, people go missing all the time. That's, dude, I, sorry to interject, but I've really wanted to go on a cruise with all of our friends, but I've been hearing so many cruise disappearance stories lately. I'm like, I don't know if I want to go. Disposing of evidence and especially bodies, easy, easy. Oh yeah. And that's just the first step. If you want to, you can't make the cruise ship stop. So I'll go into, I want to talk about something before, but like, let's say one of us realizes another one of us is missing. We can't just go up to the cruise and be like, Hey, we need to stop because my friend's missing. No, they have a schedule. Thousands of people in the boat. They say, if you want to get off and stay here and find your own way home, go for it. But yeah, so it's still a business. They're trying to run. Well, yeah, it's still a business. And if you think about it, these cruises are giant floating cities that you're not going to stop. And just like any sitting, anything can secretly happen. They have their cameras, but this camera, all it caught was her last phone call. So was she on the ship at the time of the phone call? She was on the ship at the time. That's where they got the camera footage. And they caught they caught her just like walking up to it, talking, and she's just super upset. Yeah, it looked like she was under duress, and she was upset. And the thing is, people can go overboard. People can go disappearing. It's like we... They don't know what happened. I feel like it'd be a good... It's like a place probably where they recruit heavily for like trafficking situations Bro. just because... Possibly. People can disappear so easily and you can hide them in different parts of the boat until you wait till you get to wherever you need to drop off and you have six stops anyways, so how do you target which stop they're getting off on, you know? Yeah. Well, and this happened to be out in the Caribbean and there was no formal jurisdiction. So there was nowhere, no one to go on. There's no authority. No to, authority to find her. I think they put one investigator from like Puerto Rico and he can't do anything. Yeah, good like, luck with that. He wasn't right? there when it happened. <laughs> and at that point, what can he do? What's the movie of the mother and her child travel, traveling on the plane? Flight plan. She, flight plan. Yep. She falls asleep. She wakes up. The daughter's gone. Yep. Gosh. And nightmare. the whole movie is, you know, they're, they've already taken off. And everyone is telling her, like, you just came on the plane by yourself. Nope. And she she remember, she knows for a fact that her daughter was there because before they took off, it's really cold. There's fog on the windows, and the daughter draws, like, like a butterfly or, like, a heart on the window. She wakes up, and it's still there. Yeah. She's like, I know I'm not crazy. Obviously, I know I have a daughter, and that I'm also going off of that. They keep, like, going back to that moment where the daughter draws on the window. But same as, like, the cruise... Like, everybody can be on in on it. And there's not much you can do. Especially if you're out on the ocean and you haven't made a stop. It's like, of course, they're not going to stop. Why would you stop anyway? It's like, we're in the middle of the ocean. We're going to keep going until the next destination. Yeah. You probably can't even stop that Dude, fast. You gotta, like, like, you probably have to, it probably takes them, like, 20 minutes to stop. Oh, yeah. They start <laughs> slowing down before they even get close to a port. You have to have, like, a buddy system or something. If you're going with your friends, please have a buddy system on the boat. Have a buddy system. Have a code. Be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, for real. Pop that mechlazine. I get. I die. I'd get so nauseous on a boat. I would get killed <laughs> on a cruise. So I was, stay away from the edge. <laughs> oh. I was listening to another podcast, and this is probably one I'll shout out a ton. But Crime Junkies did a whole episode on a of a disappearance 
um, from a cruise ship. And this is while I was traveling in Florida. They were talking about this. So I just felt like extra You're like involved. in it. You're like yeah. in it. Like this is, this is where it happened. Yeah. And this cruise ship went down to the Caribbean and, or so this family goes on a cruise and they're like 21 year old daughters with them. She's parting with her brother, who's also like 25 or something, like similar age. They're partying all night. They're hanging out. They make friends with some of the crew members. She's last seen like going down the stairs with one of the crew members. Mm -hmm. Never seen again. Oh, wait. One step. She comes back to her room at one point at 3 a.m. and her brother sees her, but then wakes up and she's gone. And so she had come back at one point and she left at another point. And people were like, yeah, I saw her hanging out with that one bartender or something. And anyway, family wakes up in the morning. She's gone. They are freaking out. Understandably, this is a floating city. So they start on one side and like go and try to look through the whole cruise ship. And it's taking them like three or four hours. They go to the captain. They start making all these complaints. They're like, can you stop the ship? And they're like, nah. And they're like, well, you need to stop the ship because we're about to port. And if someone leaves the ship, they could be leaving with her with evidence, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, nope, can't do it. Yeah. They dock port. They are like, compl- they're not complaining. They're like pleading, like, please help us. And they're like, if you want to get off and stay in like Haiti or wherever it was, I don't think it was Haiti, but it was somewhere like that. The DR mm-hmm. feel free, like get off the boat, find your own way home. Sorry, we can't help you. So they split up dad and the brother get off and like the mom stays on the boat just in case they find something and then she disappears and they, like, try to find her years later so th- they end up hiring a private investigator to try to find her they get a tip that on that island someone shows them a picture and it's of a girl who could be her who has the same tattoo and they said like they saw her with a group of men and she's like working in a sex brothel holy cow yeah and when they approached her she was like on the beach and she had like two men with her and they walked down the beach and that was like the last thing they ever heard and then later it came out like the person who gave him that tip lied or something so they don't know if it was real or not yeah the private investigator they hired dude the lowest of the low he was like we're, we're he's like i'm organizing a rescue reconnaissance mission i need this i need like twenty thousand dollars to put this team together i don't know how much money but it was a ton of money this much money to put the team together we're gonna go down we're gonna storm the beach we're gonna free her they call him where are you at he's like we're getting ready to leave the team is assembled we have all the gear we'll leave tomorrow they call him back to check in we're on the boat we're heading there blah 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 and then uh nothing hear Ghosted. nothing from him he had, he had never even gone down there. He had taken all their money and just took off. Another place that's like a loophole is uh, the zone of death in Yellowstone. Oh, yeah, dude. No. Dude, it's like that's what Yellowstone. we're talking about today. It's just like areas, bro. Killing like Bermuda zone. Triangles of the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Yellowstone is mainly in Wyoming, and there's slivers of it in Montana, right? Montana and Idaho. Idaho. Yeah, but the part in Idaho... Uh, there's been a case where somebody killed someone, but he had to be tried for it in the right state. And they were just jumping back and forth between Idaho and Wyoming, but because it was also on like national park ground, uh, I can't remember the entire logistics of it, but it's an ongoing case, but he's not in jail. Well, it's because in that zone of death, he can be tried 
in only the national park grounds, but only for Idaho. And if he requests a jury trial in the Idaho, there's no one who lives there. That's right. Okay. Yes, he has. Uh, everybody has right to a, a jury, jury trial. trial a jury. jury trial. Yeah. And nobody lives in that area, so they can't do the trial, and he can't be judged for what he did. That's wild loophole. Even though, like, you could clearly just kill someone, you could get away with it. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I got because a, of jurisdiction. Yeah, that's smart. I got a story from Yellowstone. Oh, if we still have time for this shoot. rest of this episode, do, do it. it. Of course, um, do it. Basically, this story is from a search and rescue um, intern who was working at in Yellowstone, and they just share one of their experiences. And this experience also led to the kind of them not being rehired on because of what they learned and witnessed. Dude, if you even look a little bit into national parks in the culture of search and rescue, there's so much going on that like people don't know about. And that's the one thing I've heard, even from like border patrol, um, anywhere where it's like, I don't know what the right, like departments of the state. It's like government agencies. Yes. You are supposed to keep your head down, not act up and get your job done. Even though you may witness some of these things going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely that kind of culture. And if you do speak, you're either be blacklisted or moved and you just get transferred somewhere else. Also, there's a documentary called missing 411 on Netflix. It's about missing persons reports in national parks. And there's a subreddit missing 411 that I just joined like a few weeks ago. It's wild. Dude, we should watch it after we record. I'm pretty sure I drive through this to come here. I was in the zone of death. For real? I, I, dude, it looks like it's on that highway. Montana is an interesting state because there's so much. It's actually kind of sad. Um, the federal government really like milked Montana for a lot of their natural resources and then threw it all back east. So like billions of dollars from Montana gems and and different uh, Oil. resources and stuff were sent back east, but not really sent in, in Montana. The town of Butte is basically just waiting to just crumble because there's so many like caverns underneath it. Oh, you mean it. literally crumble? Oh yeah, like there's there's <laughs> like there's like oil caverns underneath it. Their water is um, being affected by like cyanide and just different things like that. My uncle, who's a chemistry professor at BYU Idaho, he was talking about how they've found a bacteria in some of the water in those areas that is new that they've never seen before, but but it has evolved and it is no longer being killed by like bleach and things like that. So it's just like... Oh, the zomb- zombie virus is it, here. It's like some great... Yeah. It's and just, it's going to start in butt, Missouri, or Montana. Yeah. And basically <laughs> it's because they just mined the crap out of this area and then didn't care about any of the consequences and the negative repercussions from doing that and uh-huh. just pulled all out. And so you have these abandoned mine towns. There's all these shacks every, like not everywhere, but Montana, like that was where the wild west was. That's where pioneers were going across getting killed by India. That's where a lot of huge native American U S army battles were. And so you have a lot of this crazy, like history, but it's still low key kind of preserved because you'll see these like mountain shacks and then you'll, or you'll be driving on the road and you'll see like an abandoned farm. It's just just, so crazy. Like it's, there's some really cool sites out there, but yeah. So he's search and rescue. He's an, he, he was just an intern apparently at the time at Yellowstone and Yellowstone's an interesting park. There's a lot of folklore behind Yellowstone. Um, there's a book called, I think it's like a thousand ways to die in Yellowstone. Yes. Um, yeah. So Yellowstone outside of folklore and like, Oh, mysterious stuff. Like there's deaths all the time. People are just do being stupid with wildlife or 
going over the rope portions and geysers. It's like, do you understand what a geyser is? Like, why are you walking near it? You're so dumb. There's those, and there, there's so many like supernatural ones too happening in Yellowstone. Like, that's all what missing four one one is. Like mm-hmm. people climbing up trees and never coming back down, just disappearing. And the people- crazy thing about Yellowstone is it's such a busy park. So it's really, you really have to kind of go out of your way to get secluded. I mean, yeah, you go on a couple hikes maybe and you could be, but just driving through the park, you're always next near cars or you're always seeing people pulled off on the side of the road, you know? Yes. Yeah. Death in Yellowstone. Death in Yellowstone. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the story. So yeah. So the, the search and rescue intern, they, he said there was just like a normal night. They get a call from somebody saying that they're with this girl um, who is saying that her brothers died. And, and so they run over just their regular kind of a day, get out there, get to the spot, they get to the girl and she's just kind of just in a daze, just kind of rocking back and forth and like chanting his name. And so they're not getting anything out of her. Finally, I think they asked like kind of, you know, what happened? Can you show us where he is? And so she gets up, she goes and walks them towards this geyser where there's her brother sitting in the geyser just face down his body his body's still there so he's dead and they and they kind of knew that because of the person who had initially called in was like there's apparently somebody else with her she shows him the body but she kind of stays kind of far back and just starts breaking down again you know of course right like what what had happened to her brother so then they're still trying to inquire more um she's still kind of um, hesitant, like almost like she's not really trusting them, right? They're asking like how he got to into, of course, like how, how did he fall in? Were you guys like not following the rules, you know, getting too close or whatever? And she's like, you won't believe me. And they're just like, what do you mean? Like, you won't, you're not going to believe what I have to tell you. So I, I filmed it. And they're like, mm. um, okay. And so, and so in the video, he, the, the person telling the story, the search and rescue intern, he transcribed the video. But basically, uh, it said here, we were just on this hike, you know, walking by this geyser. They didn't go off the path, but they went off the boardwalk because there's like these boardwalks near the geysers and stuff. They're walking and all of a sudden her brother just kind of gets a little bit further ahead from her. And so she's like trying to keep up with him. She's like trying to get his attention. Like, hey, wait for me, wait for me or whatever. And he kind of like turns back and is like, do you hear that? And she's like, hear what? And he's like, the singing. Mm. And she's like no what are you talking about and he's just locked in on whatever he's hearing and just getting to the singing right brothers hearing the singing um continues just walking down this path and she can see kind of in the distance it's toward like a geyser and so he's just not even really caring like what he's walking over just like walking straight towards this geyser and she starts to get really nervous and like just kind of you know initially i think in shock like what are you doing but then realizing hey i need to stop something and so she's she throws a rock at him doesn't phase him. He keeps moving. He's like, I, do you not hear that? He's singing. And so he gets to the edge of the geyser. And she says, in front of him is a floating person. He's holding eye contact with a figure that stands at the center of the spring. And she, again, she doesn't hear it. But for some reason, he hears it. He goes like, he's like following whatever it is into the geyser and just goes into the geyser. Holy So instantly shit. burned up. So instantly burned up. You see him violently gurgle in pain, is how it's it's described here. And she's she was like panicking. She said that she drops her phone and and we and then he's like we assume that she rushes to aid her brother. All that can be heard is her screaming. So this is what is being shown to the search and rescue team. 
So <laughs> they're they're just in shock that they saw this creature that had lured this guy to the edge. And it's not just something that she's telling them like they saw it on her phone. The The story that the um, the park and like the the authorities put out was just that he had been kind of not following the park rules and just being unsafe and had happened to like fall and slip in, but they were denying any, any of this kind of stuff happening. They really tried, you know, shutting down the video and all this stuff. And basically it's only really been kept alive by any responders who are able to share the story as well as the girl. But yeah, but basically, and then in the comments, um, there's a, there's someone who is like, I'm native American and that sounds like a water baby. And then we've like on Instagram, we've had posts about water babies and sirens in the mountain West. And, but the fact that there's footage of it, I would love to find that footage. I mean, I don't want to see somebody dying, but maybe like a screen grab of, <laughs> I'm trying to see the mountain West little mermaid, you know, Dang. but yeah. And the guy was like, he basically lost his job because he was telling, he was trying, he was telling the truth about the video and they and they just they had to like reassign him like six months later, and hmm. most of that team, if they weren't willing to accept the the park's uh, explanation for it, they were either let go or moved somewhere can else. Can you can you explain a little bit about water babies? Basically, it seems like it's a thing with Native American culture in the Mountain West. Um, a lot of it stems from either a very specific occurrence that happened in this lake where some children were like sacrificed or killed and that's how they were born. I think diff- tribe to tribe, it's a little bit different in what they believe specifically. But I mean, it's again, it's like one of those things where, you know, like every culture has like white ladies, every culture has their little mermaid, you know, little mermaid, you know, like their mermaid, like siren type Sirens of a, of a the thing. Sea. It sounds like we've used it before and before, but the angler fish, it sounds like the mimic trap. Mm-hmm. There's all these traps out there. We need to keep a list. If you ever see your grandparents at the end of, edge of a tree line, waving you in. No, visit them. <laughs> if you ever see a baby in a geyser, save singing, it. No, <laughs> Sean, you bastard. <laughs> uh, what, what else is there that we've talked about? A stroller in the middle of this road when it's 3am. <laughs> yeah. No, no, <laughs> do not stop and help. <laughs> But no, it's just it's just crazy because there's there, we have a lot of like there's like we have a lot of technology. You, it's like our government can see like every spot of the world basically. But it's like there's still these spots in the woods and in the mountains that it doesn't matter like how much technology you have. Like there's there's some wild things that are still out there. True. Oh, that's terrifying. Uh, it reminds me of two events that happened within the past year or so. One was the volcano that erupted i believe it was in guatemala just like a year year ago but the ash covered this city and it looked like pompeii there's a video of a dude walking through the aftermath of it and everything's just white the sky is dark smoky and he's just passing by as people are emulsified in this ash and just it's surreal it looks like a movie Oh, that's wild. Another one is the fire that happened in California. I was, that's what I was thinking. Oh, One's yeah. What's in Paradise or Malibu? Yeah, Paradise. And it looks like a movie. It does look like a movie. There is a, a, a man walking through talking about how he was telling this truck to leave, but he was waiting for his family. He's like, your family's going to die and you can survive or you can die with them. Oh. And he leaves and he comes back checking out the aftermath. 
and the dude and his family are in the truck but they're all it's just our skeletons That's dude it's heavy dude burnt to a crisp it's so crazy i watched the conjuring for the first time last night there's one part in it that doesn't completely answer the question but it shed more light on uh, one of my questions i asked in i believe episode three whatever episode fingerprints is mm-hmm. and it's like how do things linger you know ah. the family that they're helping they're like why can't we just move you know oh, and he man. says these paranormal things it's like stepping on bubble gum so it why don't you get the bubble gum off <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're there for and it depends too like if it's gonna if it's attaching to a person versus a house because you do see things where it's like that house is clearly haunted and every time somebody lives there something crazy happens but then there's also the occurrences where even if they move it's still like the um was it sinister or insidious like they move houses right to feel better but it Uh, still keeps going on you know it's like it was not your house bro someone messaged us and they were like, in episode two, you guys mentioned that several of you haven't seen Paranormal Activity. I was wondering, have you guys watched it yet? Are Who? we finna watch it? Have we seen it? Nobody seen it? I haven't seen it. I have not. It came out, they, said, it, D, they said DJ and Sean haven't seen it. You've yeah, seen yeah. it. The Paranormal Activities, like, like all of them? I haven't seen The original. I haven't seen any of Are them. Are you kidding? We're watching it tonight. <laughs> what? <laughs> No, and I thought that was, I was like, My favorite I didn't one. remember that. I was like, what? That's crazy. And then I, I messaged him back like, no, we haven't, but that's a really good idea. So, but yeah, it's just cool that like people are kind of holding us accountable. Mm-hmm. So if there's anything that like we've mentioned that we haven't like fulfilled, let us know because we want to do things like that. And honestly, we've been starting to get a lot of really good stories from like people sending them in. Okay. Like legitimately, there's been some cool DMs, some cool emails to us. So I opened one of our, we all control our Instagram and it's kind of like, you know, if people message us in, it's like whoever, one of four of us could respond back to them. I happened to open this one and it's from a girl, this lady. And she's like, I have an experience. Can I just DM you? And I was like, of course. And she sends me what I feel like is one of the best subscriptions we've had or submissions rather we've had so far. And I'm going to read that next episode. Ooh. Ooh. And if you, got, if you got those other stories, you know where to send them. <laughs> 3 a.m. podcast stories at Gmail. That's Sean's job now. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do. Fool's eating. If you guys have any stories you'd like us to read, or you just want to share them with us because you like sharing your stories and you don't want us to share them, uh, email them to 3 a.m. podcast stories at gmail.com yo everyone listening everyone supporting thank you bye love you be safe we love you (laughs) thank you for listening out there in listener land today (laughs) trust your gut watch your back yo trust your butt cover the oh never mind (laughs) (laughs) i know i thought we were already done (laughs) okay bye real quick Okay, this is for the people who want to stay afterward. Uh, Jordan, okay, we're going to play the animal game with you. Ooh. I'm going to go, oh, Sean and I are going to go back and forth and name an animal and you have to do it. Like a sound? You have to say the animal's name, how the animal sounds. Okay, cool. For instance, Sean, cow. Cow. What the fuck? <laughs> Bro, what? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Do you know how to play? 
Oh, it's a moo, of course. Yeah, but you have to say cow. Oh, but how the animal oh he's sounds. actually. I'm so sorry. I thought you were trolling me. I know <laughs> that that was the actual rules. Okay, so okay. you just oh, we're gonna say and you have to do. Whoa. It. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. I'll go first. Chicken. <laughs> Catfish. What the? Fuck? You have to go fast. Oh, it, am I thing, the only one doing yes. sounds? Oh, first, sorry. Before we start playing, it's the first feeling you get. You just okay, have okay. to explode with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Catfish. Catfish, 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 catfish. <laughs> Gorilla. Gorilla. Oh, that's a what? <laughs> okay, keep going. Giraffe. Giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is a giraffe? Tyrannosaurus Rex. T Rex. <laughs> a fly. Fly, 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 Y'all, if y'all ever seen Jurassic Park, you know that that was a velociraptor yeah. noise. Don't worry, there's not a real one in the room. That was just Jordan. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go around. Who has podcast suggestions for our listeners? I actually just recently started listening to a podcast by National Geographic called Overheard, where they go around the National Geographic headquarters talking to different reporters and scientists and learn about what they're working on and they'll spend 25 30 minutes just talking about it that's awesome so you, you get like a little snap shot into all these different investigations going on or articles being written yeah and it's really good they just started to like i'm fully caught up they have like five episodes out and that's and called re- outlook overheard <laughs> my bad <laughs> outlast outlive outlast out survive okay so look up overheard that's sean's suggestion yes that sounds cool uh, my suggestion, what's been bringing me a ton of joy lately in the podcast world. I, I, I'll just do the one I mentioned in this episode, Crime Junkies. I am super impressed by them. It's these two bad A chicks who um, they cover stories. Their amount of research is insane. I don't know how they do it. And I'm pretty sure if I understood correctly, she recently was able to quit her job because she Yo. can now full-time podcast shout out that's way cool yeah so super impressed that's way cool dj's rejoining us the question is um do you have any podcast suggestions for the listeners and if you don't it's cool while you think jordan um i i'm kind of weird with podcasts i don't listen to a lot of scary ones because i get scared in, um, in the real world jordan doesn't <laughs> gravitate to scary so, things <laughs> um, i do this because of peer pressure and um self-sabotage blink twice <laughs> blink twice if you need help don't matter because none of you can see it anyway um but i listen to a lot of comedian podcasts so what's your favorite my f- it depends on my mood but i'm pretty i'm pretty consistent with theo vaughn's this past weekend Oof. it's just one of those ones that gives you some good joy get that hitter um Shine. if i'm feeling rowdy though i shout out flagrant too they, oh, they, they, nice. they, it's like a, it's, it's a sports podcast sort I mean, sometimes they talk about sports, <laughs> but, um, it's just kind of refreshing sometimes because they're just wild and I like people just being themselves. And is that Andrew Schultz? Andrew Schultz. Yeah. He's a, he's a, 
comedian. Killer comedian. <laughs> he's 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 the man. Um, but yeah, th- that's kind of what I usually listen to podcast wise. For me, I'm obsessed with like processes. I love seeing how things come into fruition, how things are made, how the idea started from start to end. This is kind of a big one, but I think it's making it. Huh. Is that what, like, that what it, that's what it's called? Yeah. It's like different CEOs talk about how like they started their company. Um, which how is really I built rad. this? How I built this. Yeah. <laughs> I think making it on as well. I don't I know. I think there is a podcast. But I'm also called. thinking how I built this, they have Patagonia on there, right? Yeah, Patagonia, okay, that's Zappos, what I'm of. Airbnb. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, because I'm really into music, Song Exploder, which Charles showed me a couple of years ago. That's, yeah, that's still on one. that. Dissect is a really good one that I... Sean, you mentioned, just real quick, Zappos. One time I went to a um, restaurant in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I look over, and there's this Asian dude just sitting at the counter. And so I googled Zappos, and sure effing enough, it's him, and he owns this restaurant. That's why this dude is like a million billionaire just sitting right there and i was like wow that's weird that's uh, probably like when we were at applebee's and you saw dj mustard bro kanye west came to pleasant grove <laughs> mustard could have been at applebee's that's all i'm saying you kanye. saw dj mustard at applebee's <laughs> i swear bro that there's this chubby brother just sitting at the bar ordering <laughs> half off apps and i was like <laughs> and i was like that's mustard over there dog world-class hip-hop wait producer. where were you at applebee's on state in oh Orem. in freaking Orem. <laughs> yeah yeah did you hear Kanye West was in Pleasant Grove two that, days ago? Yeah, that's wild. I'm a little upset that we didn't go up. Did you hear about that, Sean? No, I just oh, I'm hearing you would have right if now. you came to sushi. <laughs> oh, Sorry. that's right. Sushi. We were talking about it for a little bit. Yeah, no. he, he was chilling at. Yeah, R&R. he went to R and R in Pleasant Grove on Friday. That's the biggest person to come to Utah since Hodor. <laughs> what was Hodor doing here? Nolan saw him at freaking that Harley Davidson's restaurant when he was working there. Weird. Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. Hodor. Hodor. What, <laughs> what are those called? Slider, that slider place? Yeah, yeah. Shout out Marley's, dude. No, not shout out Marley's. Did they do them dirty? They freaking screwed us, dude. They do them dirty? Yeah, we did that dirty. eating competition. They gave us gift cards instead of cash. <laughs> trying to rope us into eating that stupid ass. Bro, I understand the $4 for a freaking shot of a hamburger. Like, like this is not going to satisfy anyone. Seagull. Seagull. <laughs> Rhinoceros. Rhinoceros. Um, gerbil. It's a gerbil. <laughs> feral, feral dog. <laughs> no sound. No sound because they're that sick. Because they're dead. <laughs> yeah. Cat. <laughs> I hate this. This is so dumb. Where's your cat noise, bro? Cat. <laughs> that was good, cute, dude. Dog. Who has song suggestions of the week? I'm gonna say one. It's not from this week. Something that something that recently transformed my life. It's like the one of the most impactful songs I've heard in a long time. Where I haven't been listening to music at all. It's a podcast, but this made me appreciate music again. Is Friends by Flume. I think that song is perfect. And it's definitely a mood. So go look up Friends by Flume. It's like one of those songs that you love yelling the words to, roll your windows down kind of a thing. Like it's... Yo, confession hour. When I was 16 through like 19, I owned a scooter. And I would 
at night driving home from the restaurant I worked at, put in my headphones and just scream songs as I was like going down the road at like 40. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like the most therapeutic sh- I've ever done in my life. <laughs> That's what I do if I'm uh, driving by myself on road trips. I just blare, blast music or podcasts or, or audiobooks and then roll all my windows down. So <laughs> I'm going to have my, I didn't listen to my audiologist and I'm still listening to a lot of music. Sorry. One that uh, I've been hooked on is is this artist named Blick Bassey? Blick Bassey, I think. He's from Cameroon. How do you spell? B-L-I-C-K. It's the first word. Second word is B-A-S-S-Y. Okay. Blick Bassey. Bassey. And the song is N-J-M-E. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. N-D-J-M-E. N-D-J-M-E. <laughs> N-J. And then okay. Y-E-M. Yeme. That's how he pronounces it in the song. And it's he's just a singer-songwriter from Cameroon. And I think I showed you on the car ride home last time we recorded. Mm-hmm. Super beautiful. I don't know any of the words, but it sounds like... Like, this song came out recently, but... This song isn't catering to anybody, I feel like. Like, it's not a commercial song. It's not a commercial hit. It's not trying to get, like nominated for a grammy or anything mm-hmm. and it sounds i don't know anything about cameroon but if i had to guess it sounds like a lot of the singing style and he i think he just plays a guitar during it but like the musical style sounds like it comes from where he's from and it just sounds like old music like in primitive days where they did song just to like educate or share just with their people around them. It, I don't know. It just sounded like very like organic and it was like, it's super beautiful. So me, a similar song kind of delight is that Ray Brown street fighter. It's a little bit older, but I love that song. It's so good. It's very floaty. That I just, I just love that. Shout out to kale. Kale showed me it. My, uh, my song of the week is from crystal fighters called at home. That song sounds like spring, dude. Mm-hmm. Dude, yeah, I it just does. think of it when I'm hiking out in the mountains, doing stuff. Gosh damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should I stop this? Sure. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. (sighs) I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you, 
would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download American Vigilante now.